You're listening to The Room Block Podcast, a series of conversations with compelling professionals from the world of events and hospitality. I'm your host, Jen Salerno. I've spent the last 20 years in different facets of the industry, working alongside a variety of people that have one common goal, to serve our customers by creating memorable experiences. Now, I want to share with you the passions, inspirations, and challenges of the individuals who make it happen. In each episode, we'll hear insight and perspective from two guests that fill some of the many roles within this incredible industry. Welcome to The Room Block, and enjoy your stay. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Room Block podcast. It's just been a few days since I actually announced uh, that I was going to be doing this podcast um, on, you know, the social media, LinkedIn, Facebook and all that. And the response has been very exciting for me to see. Um, it seems like a lot of people uh, are interested and uh, it's been getting really good reactions. So I'm so happy. I really hope that this is something that a lot of people from the industry can benefit from and uh, it will just kind of help everybody feel like that there's going to be something to come back to because that's what I'm hoping. So anyway, I wanted to kick off the show with two people who I was truly excited to catch up with personally, but also two people who I knew would have some really valuable insight and uplifting words for all of us. And let me tell you, they did not disappoint. Listening to these two will reinforce the passion that I know so many of us have for our industry, and they also demonstrate one of my favorite aspects about the hotel world, which is the incredible opportunity to make your way up to a desired position with the right combination of hard work, strong mentors, and the willingness to get uncomfortable. So without further ado, let's travel from coast to coast with Rick Ueno and Kevin Boland. Okay, so we are here with Rick Ueno and Kevin Boland, and I'm so thankful for you both to be here. Thanks so much. Um, I guess to start off, can we just have each of you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Okay, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Kevin Boland. I'm the hotel manager here at the Palace Hotel in San Francisco, uh, via San Diego, via Chicago, 16 years in Chicago. I was in London before that, and of course I grew up in Ireland. So uh, I was starting operations in operations in London and Chicago, then moved into sales. I was in sales for over 17, 18, 18, 19 years. And last year I became hotel manager at the Palace, so, uh, which is part of Marriott's luxury division. And the hotel's been around since 1875. 1875, wow. I'm sure it's yeah. beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, Rick, how about you? Where are you? I am in Miami on South Beach. I've been in the industry for 37 years. I have worked in eight different hotels, um, all types of different um, properties. And I've been here in South Beach at the W South Beach, another Marriott brand for the past six years. I am the general manager here. And probably a career highlight for me was that I worked with Kevin Boland for a number of years. <laughs> well, wait a and minute. For, and, for, and with you too, Jennifer. That was I a little was higher. That. That, that was a little higher. No, I'm kidding. Both, <laughs> both of you are equal. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Rick, because um, you both mentioned Marriott Brands, which uh, um, former Starwood Brands. And so that is the the thing that keeps us all in common is that we are all former Starwood people here. Um, and that is how I know Rick. Was uh, Rick was my general manager when I was at the Sheridan Chicago, and Kevin. I think we never actually worked together in the same property, but I believe we just you know overlapped in our time in Chicago. Yeah, well, small industry, and then you go to Chicago, which it it makes it smaller. Yes, so I was at the Sheridan Chicago for over two years when Rick. I came a few weeks before Rick, and then uh, saw the great work. Uh, that Rick did in his leadership there. And then I moved back to the Western Michigan Avenue. So, Perfect. Well, so speaking of Rick and the great work that he did at the Sheridan Chicago, I just want to start off by showing, look what I have here. 
Wow. Now, the audience, our listeners can't see this, but it is my, I have two Ricky Awards. <laughs> I never have <laughs> any of them. <laughs> After your time. Two years in a row of the Kindest Leader Award. Thank you, Ricky Awards. <laughs> that was my career highlight. By the way, <laughs> I did not pick her. I would have, but it was something that I allowed all of her colleagues, all of the other managers in the hotel, each got to vote for different Rickies. And one of the Rickies was the kindest person. And Jen won it back to back because she truly is one of the kindest persons that I know. And obviously that the whole team knew at that time. Oh, well, thank you. I think everyone was just taking pity on a pregnant lady. No, that's, <laughs> the that's time. not true. Oh, well, thank you. Well, so, okay. So everyone knows that we are all former Starwood, all former hotel people, but let's go back to the beginning with you guys. Um, what got you into hospitality in the first place? Kevin, do you want to go? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I wasn't great at school, so let's put that down there. Um Academically, I was, well, I had dyslexic, I was still am. Um, I had um, double vision when I was reading. So um, I wasn't great at high school or junior school. And uh, I one day, was, I remember we were at a country house for a family dinner and I turned around and I said, this is something I'd like. It's got, my father was in real estate. I said, hotels have real estate. There's a service level I always liked making breakfast in the morning on Saturdays for my parents. I always enjoyed, and to this day, still cleaning up afterwards. And I, it was kind of the hotel industry was that um, ticked all the boxes for me. And um, that's how I kind of got into the hotel business. I left high school actually a year early and then started working hotels. And then I went um, about a year and a half later, started going to college and was able to get to go to college part-time so uh, what I would say is everything that I taught back then in regards to what the hotel business was um, is certainly not what it is um, but um, I would argue it's probably a lot better. Oh well that's good to hear. (laughs) And I started um, like I said 37 years ago it was because my uncle he was very influential in my life and I won't go into all the reasons why but I, he took care of me, my uncle and my aunt did, and he was kind of my role model. And he worked for Western International, which became Weston Hotels. And um, I just really admired him. I remember when I was a little boy, probably five years old, I would go into the Western Hotel, which is now the Fairmont, I think, in Seattle. And um I remember walking in there and it was just stunningly beautiful as a little kid. And I I was mesmerized by just the entire hotel as a little boy. And I I think it must have stuck with me because, um, you know, for the longest time, I just wanted to work in a hotel. My goal from day one was to be a general manager. Uh, My uncle actually got me my first job in the hotel business as a dishwasher and um, I wanted to be a general manager probably for all the wrong reasons because I wanted to be king and top of the mount, king of the hill. But, you know, as time passed on, that's changed. I mean, I, I love being a general manager, being able to impact culture and try to do the right thing for, you know, all the key stakeholders involved. That's a really good answer. And it's actually a, a second to an additional question that I had, which was, you know, what does being a general manager work for, or what does it mean for you to be general manager? And you can well, just answer that, but do you have anything more to say? Yes. Probably one of the best decisions I ever made was around 12 to, I don't know, 13 years ago. Um, I was going through a little crisis in my personal life and um, I did a lot of soul searching. And I, I actually thought that I wanted to be more than a general manager. I thought I wanted to become a CEO or president or executive vice president for the company. And as I was going through that personal crisis, um, one of the things that hit me was that I, I, who am I kidding? I really don't want to be a vice president. I don't want to be a regional. I don't want to be a president. And that's because the, my least favorite part of the job 
are the numbers. And what I love about the job is the engagement, is the culture. And the thought of leading other general managers or other vice presidents, I mean, it, it was ego. And I, I made the decision back then that I just want to be a general manager. And, you know, I've made it known for the past 14 years, even when Marriott came in, like, don't ask me to be a regional. Don't ask me to be an area. I don't want that. I love running my hotel. I love really working on the culture so that it's the best culture for our guests and the best culture where um, hopefully that our employees have ever worked at. And, you know, I have direct input and I love leading that piece. So, Kevin, do you have a similar story where reaching the top of the hotel general manager, hotel manager, was was that also your goal? Yeah, that's been my goal since I was 16. How I know that is because I started working in hotels when I was like 16 and I couldn't drive. Um, but I remember that being my goal. And a bit like Rick, I, actually, I learned from Rick. I remember working with Rick back in the 2000s and that was always he's like why would I want to be at a corporate office and and it's very true like I mean when I got this job I went outside and I called first I called my wife and then I called my dad and I remember started crying because for over 25 about 25 years I was looking to become a GM and and I remember at the shirt in Chicago, one of the owners said, just be careful on what you pick. You know, don't come a GM of a hotel or a brand that's lower than what you, that, that's, that you prefer because you never, it's harder to get, move up than, um, and yeah, so I could have come a GM a long time ago, but I've came hotel manager at the palace, which is a phenomenal hotel. So yeah, it's, and just like Rick, what, what, gets me to jump out of bed every morning is you know we have housekeeping meetings in normal times at eight o'clock and um, just the, that day-to-day interaction and um, helping people um, you can get in a hotel not necessarily in a corporate office not saying the corporate office is, is not a bad place but for my personality very similar to Rick is being in the heart of it is great you know when we were setting up this call there was something that you said, Kevin, in an, in an email, you made a reference to you were having a conversation with a client and you went back to the Riguino school of <laughs> of hospitality or something in the interaction that you had with that client. What did you mean by that? Well, I think uh, Rick came to the shirt in Chicago and, uh, you know, it's, you know, they say what goes around comes around and when good times are always followed by bad times and like we're in, we're in a difficult time right now and people have to remember during difficult times, it's always followed by good times. So I remember Rick coming in and, you know, I, I talking to customers for months about attrition or cancellation and so on. And Rick would come in and just listen to the customer and listen to us and would do a deal, would cut a deal and because... Rick was looking at what's the 10 year, 15 year uh, relationship and what's, uh, what's going to come out of it. And that's when I'm talking to a customer is if you work with me, I work with you. And it doesn't matter what the contract necessarily says. Yeah. That's kind of your, your protection. But the Rick Ueno school of management is do the right, do the right thing, have fun. Um, you know, be, be the, be the one who's willing to be the oddball. And, um, so I still, you know, I listen, I don't like dancing in public, but I dance in front of the housekeepers and I got that from Rick. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of Rick's, Rick Ueno School of Management I still uh, take part. I'm not saying that because of uh, Rick is on the webinar today. But. <laughs> and I, I have no control over his future either. So there, I know it's not political. <laughs> you know, I was going to tell you that, um, you know, something that a mentor told me a long time ago, when I first became a general manager, um, I just like Kevin, I remember crying at, at a point earlier when I became director of rooms because um, my mentor at that time told me, you're on your way to becoming a general manager. And boy, that was emotional. 
Um, and then when I became a general manager, I, I cried again because it's kind of like the way the Olympics, when one of the Olympians wins a gold medal, it's like that just didn't happen by accident. That happened through a lot of work. So I remember this mentor telling me, Rick, now you're a general manager. I want you to become the best sales general manager that this company has ever seen. And so that was kind of my mission. And I'm so happy I did that. And, and something that I'll share with people is that there are smarter general managers out there than me. There is no doubt. I'm not just saying that so you guys can go, but go ahead and say it. No, Rick, you're really smart. <laughs> what are you talking exactly. about, Rick? No, but I am kind of average, you know, as far as intelligence. And there are financially more savvy general managers that might know standards. But something that I have worked on or my relationships with customers, and Kevin knows that. I mean, it was a lot of group customers in um, the Sheraton Chicago, and I would travel all over North America meeting these meeting planners and key decision makers. And in Miami here at the W South Beach, we're heavy transient. So I traveled the entire world meeting travel agents. So when you look back at my 20 plus years as a general manager, there are smarter general managers than me, but I can say pretty confidently that there aren't many general managers in the company that have more relationships than me. So if you're looking for if I'm working at this hotel, you might not want to lose me because of all these relationships I have. And if I'm looking at another opportunity, I'm going to sell the fact that I know meeting planners from all over North America and travel agents from all over the world. Um, I'm super happy I got that advice because it's really helped offset maybe some of my technical knowledge, which maybe is not my strength. I would add to that, Jennifer, Rick, is which I've learned too is uh, I've often, there's some principles I've learned um, through the years. And one of them is take care of your own backyard before you try and conquer the world and always be better today than you were yesterday. And one of the things like Rick is a fine example of is he's a great general manager, but he also just knows where he's, he creates a team around them who are strong in areas that he may not um, be stronger in or that counter, for example, in, in Chicago, he had Gladys Omani, who was very good, especially on the administration. You know, she, she, when I was in sales there, I, you know, Gladys was the one who kept me in line while Rick was the one who was the person helping close a deal. And uh, then the other side is, you know, Rick was general manager, one of the biggest group hotels in Starwood at the time. And, um, decided to go totally out of his comfort zone so especially in these times i would tell people is uh, if there's one lesson is you know the massive benefits of pushing your comfort zone uh, so rick went from a massive group hotel to miami which is um, very much a major transient leisure hotel such a good point so i was going to say that you know it's it's like knowing your superpower, um, you know, when Rick had acknowledged that maybe he feels like he doesn't have, you know, he's not the savviest general manager out there in certain ways, but in other ways, you know, that you have nailed that part of the job. Um, so I think that's, that's key. You know, you go with what you know, you're really, really good at. Thank you. And I like your philosophy too, Kevin, about taking care of your own backyard before conquering the world. Yeah, well, a fine example, you know, recently is the whole um, the whole um, Black Lives Matter movement is, you know, I'm I'm getting emails from you know, Uber, Lyft, and other companies who are telling me how important Black Lives Matter, which is great, but my whole thing is, if, you know, take care of your own backyard. Like, what are you doing in your, yeah, and you don't necessarily need to be sending emails and that's where I look at for example my team is um, who are we hiring what are you doing in your own backyard so for example I'm very passionate about and that's because my first real job in the hotel business um, to get me into management was um, management trainee and that's why I'm very passionate about um, like the Vo Marriott Voyager program which is the internship program because um, again you know, that's why I said to the head of human resources for the whole company, I said, majority of these people are either female or minority backgrounds. And a lot of these people, without I knowing the facts, it's the first time in their family that they, someone's reaching management level. Again, that's me pushing to take care of your own backyard. So um, that's kind of the 
the background to that philosophy. That's a good and timely example, for sure. So let me ask you guys this. Throughout your the course of your careers, who or what would you say has made the biggest impact on where you are today? And you don't have to name names. And it could be, you know, good or bad. <laughs> well, there was a, ment- a boss of mine many, many moons ago when um, I was in Hawaii. And he came into the hotel and he was extremely tough. And maybe not as well liked as as he would have liked to be or we would have liked him to have been. Um, but I remember he pulled me into his office and he had this conversation, something like, Rick, you have the sizzle, but you lack steak. Meaning that <laughs> my personality would only get me so far. And he, he was trying to tell me that my time management, um, my knowledge of the financials, that it wasn't meeting his expectation. And he actually told me that if I didn't improve it, that one of us wouldn't be in the hotel in around three to six months and that he wasn't leaving anywhere. So I, you know, it was a direct threat. And I remember really being upset and I really wanted to rely upon my sizzle factor to win people um, in my corner and make him less like than he already was. But you know what? I, I have the goal. I'm going to become a general manager. And I don't know how or why I decided, you know what? I'm, I'm not going down. He's not taking me down. So I went on this quest to get steak. And I took more time management courses, business writing courses, um, spent time with my um, controller or director of finance at that time. I went on a mission to get steak. And it's something that I share with everybody now as a leadership lesson. I always love my sizzle and steak story because in order to be successful, I think you need both sizzle and steak. And um, especially with someone like myself who was, you know, I was blessed to have some sizzle in the way I can engage. And, you know, I needed to focus on the steak and I'm so thankful. And, you know, he ended up becoming my best, my, my best friend. I mean, I would read, he would give me books to read on leadership. And I would read these books and then we would sit there and we would download the books together and talk about them. Um, he, it was a tough, tough lesson for me to learn, really humbling, but thankfully he did that for me. So I think that that's something that's carried with me my entire career. Wow. Well, it is, it is such a good point that sometimes it just takes that, you know, kick in the butt to <laughs> change things and take you on a totally different trajectory. So that's a great example. And how about you, Kevin? Uh, similar, again, I think that's what makes great general managers great general managers is because they are willing to step out and it's easy not to deal with confrontation, uh, you know. In Rick's case, that GM could have easily said nothing and Rick would have been gone a few months' time. But that GM saw the sizzle and decided we needed to... Um, so it's the same with me. I, The second general manager I had was... He, and still a very a mentor of mine, very good friend of mine um, over the years. Um, it was Dermot Kelly. He was general manager in Imperial Hotel in Cork. It was a 110-room hotel, but it had the biggest banquet facilities, had a massive uh, food and beverage operation, the biggest... Um, re- the busiest restaurant in the city of Cork in, in, in Ireland so okay it's, it's a small city but it did about 400 covers at lunchtime and about 250 covers in the evening yeah, um, wow. on a constant basis um, but he was a great GM and I remember he turning around to me and saying um, just what the stuff I learned from him uh, you know every day but um, he was a tough he was a he was a tough um taskmaster and I remember one day he turning around saying Kevin go away leave leave Cork uh, travel to London go to, go away for a year um, because when you get outside your bubble uh, you'll, you'll learn so much and you, you, again it comes back to the comfort zone and that's what happened I went to London meant to be for a year I was there for over two years then I went to, uh, to Chicago but yeah I've been lucky um, because I've had Apart from probably two general managers, I've had um, phenomenal general managers throughout my career. And I know that that's been an exception uh, 
compared to the real. And um, one of the, I have a picture of the worst GM I've had. I have a picture of him hanging up in my office because I want to be a GM <laughs> that is the GM that I want to, I want to be the GM that I always wanted to have a GM like, you know, so. That is a perfect way to put it. And, you know, it's true. There are, there are wonderful GMs and there are not so great GMs and your positions can really make or break the day to day in a hotel for not only the employees, but for the guests and for clients. I mean, it, I, I feel like there's some GMs that might underestimate what their role is really capable of. Um, but neither of you are those people. <laughs> so well, with that I, said, oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, the, the one thing I would say, uh, which I try and Rick might be able to better explain this, but throughout my career, I've learned a skill set of reaching out and trying to find, I call it uno, unofficial mentors. So like, I mean, I would pick up the phone or text Rick uh, maybe once a year if, if I need a particular um, challenge that I need um, help with. Or, uh, but I have a lot of people like that who I've never called Rick and say, hey, will you be a mentor of mine? Like Gladys Amani, who's now VP of association. Uh, she's head, she's um, head of global sales for Marriott in Latin America now. But I have old GMs that I still uh, contact or even not general managers, but other people who I've I've landed up. I call them my mentors that I, I have no problem reaching out to these people or learning from. And often the secret is none of them have a conflict. So um, in regards to... I, I can call Rick. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him if whatever decision I make. So it, it there's people with work related, uh, then career related. If I'm making deciding to make a move, I would call um, someone like Rick or someone else and say, "What do you think of this move?" They, it doesn't matter to them, but they'd be honest with you. So I'd say to people listening to this call, no matter what your age, where you are, and your is, kind of have these reach out and try and have these, as I call it, unofficial mentors. Well, it takes a village, right? I mean, yeah. it takes a village to to raise a child. It takes a village to make a GM, <laughs> to make whatever I'm going to end up being. You know, it's it's a, and that's why this industry is so cool. And I think why we are so passionate about it, or at least why I am, just because, you know, it's, it's the people and it's the relationships that we've all made. And, and the fact that, you know, I feel I've been so lifted up by so many people over the years. Um, yeah, beaten down too, right? <laughs> but it's those the beatdowns that also kind of make the big difference as well. So, so for each of you, um, I'm curious, how do you want your customers or your employees or clients of the hotel to feel after they've had a conversation with you? I want them to feel inspired. That, that's probably the word. Um, it's a good word. I don't know. I, I just have this thing in me for our guests and for our talent. It's like my imagination for them. It, it's real. So when I'm trying to sell my hotel to a client, I'm actually can almost imagine them walking into the room, opening the door, looking at the room, looking at the view and going, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is what I saved my money for. This is why I'm on vacation. Um, and, and I feel the same way about our talent. This like, and, and the talent's a little bit different because you know maybe I'm trying to grow them. For them to have the realization one day where maybe they thought I was not a great boss, too direct, that one day they go, I'm a better leader because of this. And I really, those visions really carry me through and they, and they're a part of my conversations with people. Um, so th that's what kind of motivates me and inspires me is to try to make dreams come true or make it better than they even thought that it could be. So I do want them to feel inspired or motivated or challenged to go to the next level. Mm. I like it. How about you, Kev? Um, very similar, but I would 
there's a saying I say, no PNL sheet will come to your grave or will not come to your funeral. So uh, my point there is. I love Kevin and his great sayings. Yeah. <laughs> there have been a few. <laughs> Can I tell you one of them? No, I'm not going to go back into our old days, Kevin. But he has some classic sayings that I will never forget. <laughs> I'm thinking of one that's. Yeah, I'm exactly. thinking of one uh, that really needs to be at a comedy club. Exactly. Um, which will not be over a webinar because I got my words mixed up or my analogies mixed up. No, so my whole point is you know, if I drop dead tomorrow morning, you know, the, every PL sheet that. I've been involved with for the last 10 years is not going to come to my funeral or will not be at my graveside but you know when you're dead you can't defend yourself but what I'd like to be able to have is customers uh, who are friends and customers who come friends um, and people I've worked with um, be able to say you know what he's a great guy I didn't he was a good guy he, he meant well may not have agreed with him on everything or we had our fights or whatever but at the end of the day he meant well and um that's kind of my guiding light in that in that regard so it's kind of a bit somber uh, in one way but just like rick you you can you you know you're here to do as part of the leadership is to give back and uh or and part of that is surrounding yourself with great people and if someone's if someone's not performing it's your job to help find out why not and help them um, because then they become better people which makes 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 you a better person too you know the other thing i was just thinking about jen is i i want people to feel like i know them like i appreciate them and uh, like a little quick story with my hourly employees or the, you know, the talent that works in the hotel, you know, it's as simple as knowing their name. I mean, like you could come up with all the greatest programs as you want to make your talent feel, your employees feel appreciated. But something that I've learned is just know their names. Knowing your talent's name is the best thing that you can do because they're almost surprised that you even know their name. And when you know somebody's name, then you take the time to get to know them a little bit better. Um, it, I, I, I've done some speaking in front of groups and they've talked about my culture and how do we create the culture. And I, and I always go back to that point. Know their name. Know your employees' names, all of their names. Like in this hotel, we probably have 500 employees. Other than maybe some of the new ones, I know 90% of their names and nobody wears name tags. It's a, it's a real disciplined effort to know their names, but it, make, it makes such a huge difference. So simple, but you're right. So impactful. If I were walking down the hall and my general manager called me out by name, I would, I would feel welcomed and I would want to do a great job for him or her. Well, that's, I remember at the West of Michigan Avenue, like doing sites and you'd go up to whatever particular floor. But I remember like Linda, the housekeeper would say, Mr. Boland, how are you? Will I open the room? And like, and the genuineness customers would, who are on the site, people know because they're doing it all the time would know how genuine it is because I, just the West Michigan Avenue, it was a big hotel, but small hotel. They, they all knew me and I used to hang out in housekeeping and stuff like that. And I remember Rick, remember when you were the first GM, you're the only GM I know who's ever done this is when you got to the shirt in Chicago, you met with um, associates on a one-on-one -on -one every, you, you went through the list, but you, you spent 20 minutes with each associate up in your office. I remember housekeepers didn't even know where the GM's office was. And that was such a big impact. Um, uh, I don't know if you still do that program, but you spoke about wanted to know about their families and what their hobbies were and I remember it's such a bit um you know imp employee engagement you know because again people want to be led people uh, and um, people follow leaders no matter who you are that's so true you know at the hotel that I was at before the Sheridan uh there was a gal that came to work there and she she was coming from the Sheridan so she had worked for you Rick and she would comment about how um, she was closest with the hotel. The closest person she had at the hotel was the general manager. And I was like, what you, really? She's like, oh no, it's different over there at the Sheridan. He's just a different kind of guy. <laughs> I was like, wow. And then I got over there and I said, oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's true. It is different. Um, so I guess I really don't want to focus 
a ton of conversation on current times. Um, I feel like we could talk about the current COVID times, uh, you know, ad nauseum, and we probably all have. But I do feel like we need to just kind of touch on it a little bit just because it is current and it's important um, to explain how it's impacted what your life has been like day to day recently. So what has been the hardest part for each of you about the last four months? Um, for me, it's basically the uncharted waters. You know, um, I've been in the industry long enough, so I've seen enough crisis. So it, it's been helpful that I've known that what, as I've said earlier, what follows tough times, um, normally good times follow. So I know that we'll get through this, but it's the uncharted waters. So you know, back, you look at the beginning of the year, you're kind of, you just didn't know what was going on. And every a week, every day was changing. And then you decide to close the hotel, you're going to, and then just the uncharted. You know, simple thing is that when we close the palace, the front doors don't have locks on it. So um, you're going, small things like that, which were big emotional for you. But yeah, the uncharted waters was definitely the hardest. And yeah, for the me, unknown. yeah. And for me, besides the fact that, you know, your heart breaks for your talent or your employees and your managers, that this has been going on for so long. And, you know, it, it's getting to the point where how do they get a meal on their table or how do they pay their rent? You know, th that's tough. And, you know, some of these, you know, the, some of my managers in town, they haven't worked for four months and, we're not going to open until October the 1st. I mean, it's going to be six months. And when we open, we're not going to be overly busy. There's going to be a long period of time for some of these, uh, some of my employees to work. So that's, that's heart wrenching for me. Um, but also just me personally, the hardest thing has been that I don't have many managers here anymore. And we are in full room renovation. We're renovating our pools, our tennis and basketball courts. I've um, completely transformed the heart of the house. So I've been a project manager. I'm not talking to guests. I'm not even talking to many employees. I don't have many people here. So I've kind of had to put on a new hat and it, and it was an adjustment for me because I'd rather be out there using my sizzle factor and talking. <laughs> and I had to really go into stake mode and just I became a project manager, making sure contractors and the ma managers and the employees that I had here at the hotel that they were on point. And I was doing that nonstop. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest hard, one of the hardest adjustments for me. Wow. You know, it's funny because what you just said made me think about, you know, when I look to, you know, maybe a year from now, you know, I guess what excites me is looking then looking forward and saying what did the past year teach me you know all those things all the hardships that we went through all the you know the 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 layoffs and and everything the kids being home and just being stuck in the house just all the things that we've all had to deal with you know what new skills or what new outlooks will i have a year from now that i don't have now or didn't have six months ago um, that will only benefit us moving forward, right? It, it has to. It's funny. I was uh, on a call just this week with all of my leaders to let them know that we were not going to open until October the 1st, which is not the best news because they thought we were going to open up in early July. And it was a real somber mood. And um, I, I had every, all, all my leaders were on the phone. I had each of them tell me, tell me about the impact COVID has had on you or this whole pandemic. And I think it was a hundred percent. They either sat there and said that they're eating better, that they're exercising, they've lost weight, they have cleaned and organized something at their home, and they're talking to family and friends that they never spoke to. I'm gonna tell you, I think it was a hundred percent. And I was like, these are all the things that we want to do while we are working. So I hope right. when we come through this that the balance between work and all these things that you're doing now to live a better lifestyle, I hope we don't lose everything. Because even me personally, I know that I've not exercised like this ever. I'm walk. I'm like I'm on a goal for the month of July. I'm gonna do thirteen thousand steps a month. But I've lost like fifteen pounds, and I'm eating better. Like, kind of thank goodness for this time because now I have time to do this. I just pray that when we come through it, that 
I don't stop. That, that I continue because it's, it's, I'm actually a better, healthier person right now. I would have to say the same for myself. I was kind of the opposite. Uh, in, a, in regards, well, it's funny. In regards to when COVID started, I was like, oh, I'll have a glass of wine tonight. But it's funny, for the last three weeks, I've, um, I came back from 4th of July vacation with my wife. Actually, she stayed in Pittsburgh. We were there where her family was. And I decided, well, this COVID's not going away faster than we all anticipated. So since then, I've been working out basically every day. But I I suppose I've been about four months behind everyone else. But um, it's very <laughs> hey, true. You don't sound like the present. I was talking to my marketing manager, and she's done one Northwestern college, and now she's doing a master's, uh, an evening's master's class. And then I talked to someone else who's doing other things. Like one of the habits... Like my wife is from Pittsburgh and now every Friday evening she has a Zoom call with her. She's very close to like five or six um, um, high school um, friends and they do Zoom calls. And now they're asking, why didn't we do this before? Because they have kids and stuff like that. And so I think post um, COVID that's going to continue. And like one of the things I've done is because it's a great excuse is when I drive home from the office, I, um, I, I call someone who I haven't spoken to in a while. Um, so I spoke to someone the other day, first time I spoke to her in seven years, but she was the person who got me into sales at the West Michigan Avenue. And, um, it's, so I've been reaching out to people, Evans, just to say hi. And, um, so it's been nice to do that connection. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, and chances are, you know, people are free to talk (laughs) or more free than they would have been before. Well, the the whole, the whole COVID, uh, I call it, it's kind of, you know, I don't want to insult the people who suffered and went through World War II, but I do maintain COVID's kind of the closest to World War II without the bloodshed in regards to, um, it affects the whole world, it's affected all, everyone, no matter what your race or wealth or social background is, and I do think it will have a social mental impact and i do think it'll have a long term it'll have a great there's going to be a positive you think of uh, the generations that came out of after world war ii um that you know they were good here in america was like one of the greatest generations they said so i do think that that's the positive side to it you know we just have that post this there's going to be a lot more um it's going to be a better world I hope so, but I agree with you. I think that that is definitely something that is going to come out of this. And it has to. <laughs> the alternative is not an option. But um, so we're nearing time. So I just want to ask a couple more questions. Um, let's go back to the fact that you know each of you, you know, the thing that's interesting about each of you is that you're both on opposite coasts. So I'm kind of just curious what your hotel communities are like. Like, what are the dynamics of the hotel community in Miami? What are the dynamics of the hotel community in San Francisco? You know, I know what they're like in Chicago, but I feel like each city kind of has its own mix. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, so when I moved from San Di- Chicago, I moved to San Diego, and you're talking about, uh, you know, sh- Chicago's a first-tier city, San Diego isn't, and um, the culture... Uh, just what you're talking about was very different part of it is um, a lot of San Diego is a transient you know first time GMs often are in the hotels in San Diego then they move on you come up to San Francisco the the leadership has been uh, the management side has been very strong and very united and it's you know it's very California very uh, welcoming and they're very uh, friendly and very focused and the challenge here in the city is you have, um, unfortunately, you have, um, uh, I'm trying to put it correctly, is you have a culture where there's a lot of people on the city council who believe anyone who's making a, um, for business, the pro-business atmosphere in San Francisco is, is not as good as uh, I've seen in other cities. So um, we're, we're challenged up against that. So, um, um, and it's not just with the city council, but it's throughout the city. And um, there, so 
the hotel in the the leadership in the hotels and with the the convention visitors bureau is very united, which is good. And I think, um, and then the city, you know, overall it has a very good vision and um, acceptance to a, to a lot of things. And so you have that positive side, but then there's there's some headwinds out there, which is which makes your job difficult, you know. So, um, and yeah, so it's we're we're pro it's it's a more of a challenging time right now yeah well not right now yes for sure <laughs> but it's good to hear that that overall you feel like the sense of leadership is strong and, and that you enjoy the vision of the city overall yes yeah it, it, you have a few, you have few layers you have you have the leadership of the tourism bureau you have leadership of general managers if, all general managers, your competition GMs and all that are very much on the same page. Um, then you have, um, we were lucky that, like, I, you know, give credit where credit's due. The mayor of San Francisco closed the city down earlier than it. most people faced a lot of criticism, but it actually um, helped San Francisco in regards to the whole COVID cases and deaths and so on. So, um, but then you also have, you know, within your own organizations has been a great leadership and then ownership um, I would say I I can speak for my ownership um, who's owned this hotel since the early 70s and they've just been 100% supportive and I've heard that from other um, colleagues from other ho hotel ownerships you know that they're the ones who are suffering majorly in the financial side but they've been very supportive in regards to um, getting things done and supporting you trying to support us trying to get through this part of it is i think they they've seen they've seen crisis before where they know there's going to be an end to this one and they need the hotel to be good good and how about you rick what's what's miami like miami similar to chicago in my opinion i think in both cities and hopefully in all cities that the community we're unified to make Miami great, and you know I'm spe I'm more specifically on South Beach. Um, I, I we know each other. Maybe we don't maybe hang out with each other and play golf, but um, I know that we're all unified to make South Beach, or it, it already is, but to continue for South Beach to be a premier destination of the world. And there's been a lot of new inventory in the market over the past five years which you know makes it more challenging but you know i i welcomed it because i i really think that miami's grown up what miami was 20 years ago as a destination compared to what it is today we are way more sophisticated um i think we are we're known to be a premier destination of the world um and the leaders both in the hotels and the public sector the owners, um, the restaurant owners, I think we're all unified to do whatever it takes to make, you know, Miami, Miami Beach, South Beach, a premier destination. So like in any market, some people are more involved than others. And thank goodness for the ones that are involved. Um, but I, I see a lot of similarities to even the way it was in Chicago because I felt the same type of commitment with all of the different key stakeholders to really make Chicago great and to drive citywide business into the market. And, you know, when you had a citywide, we needed citywise. We would all pull together. We were no longer competitors. We were a city competing against another city. So we had to, like, pull together. Um, so, you know, I see those similarities. It's a great community. That is so great to hear. I'd um, I'd add to that. Uh, I think Rick hit a point there. Is one of the things I do say is you never know the benefit of something until you um, until you do it, and uh, the unexpected benefit of things until you do it. And I think if anyone has learned anything from COVID, is is you. You, you you benefit from what you what you put in is what you get out of so are you involved with uh, organizations like PCMA MPI or like as general managers hotels like what's been a godsend in San Francisco is the hotel council and and, um, and what we've my general managers on the board of the hotel council and it's 
you you can't just sit around and expect things to happen. You, you have to get involved. And when you get involved, you'll get the results that you, um, you work for. But if you don't get involved, you won't get the results that you want. So, um, and that's my point is don't expect someone else to do it. So, yeah, you know, Rick is, Rick is the general manager of Miami in, in South Beach. Um, if you're working in his hotel, doesn't necessarily that you need to be uh, on on the board of the Miami Convention Visitors Bureau if your GM is. But yeah, you might get involved in a local association. You know, so everything helps. It makes such a difference when you're doing your job, but then you know that you have a community behind you that is a support and rallying to kind of, you know, everyone putting forth the same effort towards the same goal. I mean, that totally helps. So that's good. Well, to close out, I just want to kind of throw this out there. If each of you could ask the other a burning question, what would it be? I suppose one one question I would probably ask is, how did he put up with me for two years? Because I know I was on, I was on author. I was... I was not your usual sales manager, neither was Cliff an unusual GM. So the two of us in one sales trip was kind of chaotic at times. But no, um, <laughs> um, I would. The question I'd ask probably Rick is: um, I asked this from all people who I admire. Is uh, what what was your biggest mistake, and what did you learn from it? Um. My biggest mistake, and I, I'm not going into all the details with it because you would all fall asleep, but it was a traumatic time in my life, um, and that was probably 12 or 13 years ago when, um, you know, I, I went through a personal crisis, and it, it changed my life. And what 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 was originally, I dedicated my life to the hotel. That was my identity, the hotel. And my personal life fell apart because of that. And um, that was a mistake. And it's a mistake that I, I just won't do again because I almost lost my son. And um, now I have a beautiful five-year-old daughter and a new wife. And in reality, I just had this conversation today in a interview. I said, if you're, if, if, the W South Beach is going to become your only priority and you expect me to become your best friend, then you don't want to work here because it's not the way <laughs> it rolls in this hotel. My highest priorities are my faith, my wife, my daughter, golf, and cigars. I love those things. And um, work comes after those. But it's so interesting that I find myself to be way more effective, way more effective than work was my only priority. I'm more balanced. I'm happier. I know what to focus on, what not to focus on at work. I, I'm just a happier individual. Um, so that was probably the biggest mistake, making work number one in my life. And I just won't do it any, I won't do that anymore. And I don't, I don't want to hire people that are like that. I need people that have well-rounded lives, have families, have other interests. Like, so if something goes wrong at work, you don't feel like killing yourself. You know, like it goes on. We're going to be fine. You have family at home. Go home and enjoy your family on the weekend. Go walk your dog. Do whatever you need to do. Very wise words. My question for Kevin is, it was great. You know, I, I have to sit there and say both you, Kevin and Jen, you, you two are two of the kindest people that I know. Um, and I, and I really sincerely mean that. Um, Kevin, when I first came to Chicago was absolutely the kindest person. He really tried to help me get oriented into the city. And I'll never forget that. Like he would take his time outside of work to show me around, take me to restaurants. Um, and, and it really, really meant a lot to me. So, my question to him is definitely, it would be more personal. Like, how's married how's married life treating you? Or what are you working on outside of work? Because I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in, you know, what's going on with him personally than I would be really probably at work. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, 
I was away for the 4th of July week um, with my wife and then I came back but my wife and the dog stayed with her family in Pittsburgh and to quite honest in one way it was the most miserable two weeks because I just missed my wife and um, I married late in life and I married someone outside the hotel business um, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me and um, I still don't understand how I I landed such a great uh, wife. But um, yeah, so um, outside of work, it's I love travel. So you know, right now with the whole COVID, it's it's more difficult. But it's uh, what we've learned is um, it's amazing. Five year after being married for five years, it's just how we're continu- continuing to learn to um, learn new things together. I've joined as as Rick mentioned, I've joined the St. Francis Yacht Club here in San Francisco. And the reason was because I can go down there and not talk to anyone in the hotel business. And I love sailing. So um, and learning the benefits I've learned also is figure out what your surroundings and what's the um, what can um, what's what can you learn from that? So like I've learned more about wine in the last three years since moving up to uh, San Francisco. You go up to wine country and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, um, it's been it's been good. Yeah. So, that's excellent. I think that's so telling that you know you you found these these gems you know like later in life and sometimes it's you know it's just amazing how as you go through life you just you just never stop learning right and the lessons just don't stop coming and uh which is i'm so grateful for because you know it keeps things interesting and it just keeps us evolving as people so that's great well and i think that's janice like it's you know people ask uh, you know i have a young team i've i have a mixed team here but i've in the sales department of they're a lot younger than me and they've asked me oh do you miss your 20s and 30s i said no because i look back i had a great time a different 20 my when i was in my 20s i was very different than when i was in my 30s and so on but um like i got right now with the whole COVID, i think being a bit older you can understand and you know there's going to be uh, compared to, and that's why i'd say if there's younger people listening to this is there's going to be an end to COVID. we'll come out of it we'll come out stronger it's harder to say that now sometimes when you're looking at your bank account and you're looking like you've got no work and so on but it also you will come out of it we'll come out differently and we'll probably uh, as rick mentioned is you'll have a different viewpoint as people who've worked all the time and haven't worked for four months will hopefully have different skills and have a different interest which will um in a year's time two years time which will they'll look back and say thank god COVID happened because i learned this skill set or i've got a new hobby because of it it's so true well i'm, I'm kind of you know trying to look at it that way myself you know it, i i'm also a casualty of of covid you know lost my job and and that's kind of what led me to to this podcast and you know it's just it's one of those things where uh, having conversations with people and and just kind of connecting that's always been the highlight of, of the industry for me and my career so that's what i'm hoping to accomplish with this and and just carry on and see what happens so Arla, I cannot thank you both enough for being on the show today. Um, I had a lot of fun talking with you both. It's uh, it's such a pleasure to to catch up and to reconnect again. So, um, and I hope that the listeners found some really amazing takeaways. Um, I know I did for sure. Um, you're both such a positive force, and uh, have had such wonderful careers and have so much to teach. So, I really hope that everybody. Uh, listening can can take some of that away. So thank you both so much. Thank you, thanks, Jen. Jennifer. No problem. All right. And thanks, Rick. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. I love you. Wow, such great words of wisdom from Rick and Kevin. Thank you both again for joining me on the show as my very first guest, no less. And thank you both for being such wonderful people. Who would not want to work for a hotel manager like either of these guys? It's fascinating to hear the background on what goes into making an effective leader, one who people want to stand behind and produce their best work for. What truly stood out to me in this episode is the idea of balance. It's important to lead, 
but also to understand when to phone a friend or a mentor for guidance, as in Kevin's example. And it's important to have a combination of steak and sizzle, to quote Rick. But also balance in who you are as a person and how you experience the world. Too much in any direction and we risk falling down, right? You can apply that concept to almost every aspect of your life, from what you eat to what you read to how you exercise, and is seen here in how you manage a hotel. Well, that is a wrap on episode one, and I want to hear from you. Please send feedback, show ideas, comments, questions, and of course, interest in participating to me at roomblockpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for joining me today, and please remember to subscribe to The Room Block so you can continue to join in the conversation.